Well, good morning, Southgate. Uh, I'm so glad to be here with you. Uh, wasn't that a great morning of worshiping together and singing together? Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's so good that you uh, blessed us with your presence on the day that the Chiefs are playing, so I'm so glad uh, that you're here today. Uh, we'll be rooting for them today, uh, but I am so glad that you're here. Um, and here in just a little bit, we'll be diving into Matthew uh, chapter 22, verse 34. So if you want to go ahead and get over there and get ready for by the time we get there, that'll be great. Matthew 22, verse 34. So this month, uh, we've been discussing this idea of our house. Now, our house can mean a whole lot of different things for, for every single one of us in this room. Our house, my house, me personally, uh, is about to get a lot crazier um, as we're soon to be inviting our third baby steward into the house at the end of February. Um, so yeah, our house is going to be crazy. I don't know why we decided to go for, you know, three kids. For those out there that have three or more, why didn't you warn us? Because um, I, I already know how it's going to be. Jackson and Adeline are at that crazy stage, and we're like, this is going to be impossible. But we'll figure it out. Maybe your house uh, doesn't have that. Maybe your house is getting ready to uh, see your student graduate this year and send them off to college. Uh, maybe your house is an empty nest um, and you've been enjoying that for quite a while and you get to go on those vacations. Um, or maybe your house um, is getting that new lazy boy and you're not planning to do anything in your house this year. You know, every single one of us has a different plan for this year and what our house's purpose is. Um, so it's a little different whenever we think of it in our church context. What is our house, our church, meant to be? What do we see as passionate in our church? What's important to us? So we've been asking ourselves this. Who are we and what do we do as a church? Who are we and what do we do as a church? And that's something we've been asking ourselves um, for quite some time, but especially um, in this month of January as we've been discussing this. Who are we and what do we do as a church? To get that answer, we're going to look at Jesus and his, his interaction with some Pharisees and some other people that were questioning him about some things that he was doing and his purpose and his passions. So the big idea that we're going to be looking at today is focusing on God and others is the foundation of a healthy church. Focusing on God and others is the foundation of a healthy church. So would you consider Southgate a healthy church? Is Southgate a healthy church? That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to see, is Southgate healthy? But to do this, we need to first look at the past. Like, where has Southgate been? What has Southgate done? Southgate has a very rich past, a very rich history, a very mindful past of being committed to outreach and to missions since Southgate's birth in 1989. Um, so just over three decades. And so Southgate has been very committed to being on ministry for the gospel. And so I got to learn a little bit more about Southgate's past. Um, as, pa as Pastor Jason mentioned uh, this past week, that we went through this um, refocusing seminar and this, this uh, strategic planning for our church. Um, and so we got to look at a lot of details of Southgate's history and the records of Southgate. And so from those records, along with the help from Charlene, wherever she's sitting in this room, um, the numbers that I saw from our records are huge. Um, it's very cool. And so Southgate's history has 738 baptisms since 1989. 738 people have been saved since this church's birth. 
Southgate, that is huge. 730 baptisms in three decades. Now that is a church that's on fire for Jesus Christ. That is a church that gets their purpose. But church, it doesn't stop there. You know, we may have been able to do all these great things, see all these great things happen in the history of Southgate, but if we're not continuing to advance the gospel, if we're not continuing to do these things for the church today, then the church of the past isn't going to be glorified with what we're doing today. So understanding Southgate's history is a huge part of who we are today. But if we're going to move forward, we have to understand and be on board with the initiatives that were taking place and initializing this year in 2023. But to understand that and to really like understand why we do what we do, we're going to look at Matthew 22 today. So if you would, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. It says this, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, so they're talking to Jesus, to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So from these verses here in Matthew, we see that Jesus gives a clear explanation of what it is to be a Christian. So the first thing is to love God. The first thing is to love God. To love God is to be a completely changed person inside and out for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you changed from the inside out? Has God impacted you? Do you truly love God? Loving God means that we must first have a relationship with him. You can't love God if you don't have a relationship with him. So where are you in your journey, in your faith journey of learning who Christ is? You have that relationship. How do you get, the point, get to the point of being able to love God? You have to be impacted by how broken you are and how much in need you are of a Savior. So do you understand that you're broken? Do you understand that you need a Savior? Every single one of us in here today has a story, but that story alone is not who we are. God has made a way for us to come out of the darkness and into the light. So this is a hard question I'm going to ask, but I need to ask it because a lot of times um, we as believers, um, we have a false sense of hope. Um, We question our salvation, um, and and we just question our purpose in life. Um, So let me ask you this and let you think about it. Because I don't want you to go through life and get to the end of it and realize, you know what? I never really was a believer. I never really truly understood who Jesus Christ was in my life. So let me ask you this. Are you saved? Three simple words. Are you saved? But these words impact us to the core. We have to realize that it takes a relationship with Jesus Christ to be saved. If, let me ask you this too. If you, or let, me think, let, you, let me let you think about this. If you have no affection for God at all, no desire to follow him, no willingness to submit to him, no zeal to grow in a love for him, then you're not a believer. And I'm not trying to convict anybody in this room, but I don't want you to go through life and I don't want you to think 
that you have it all together whenever you don't. Now, I'm not saying this to say that if you're struggling, if you're broken, if you're hurting, that you're not a believer. You know, if you're going through those things, if you're struggling, if you're broken, um, if you're doing life together, but sometimes life is hard, that doesn't mean that you're not a believer. That just means you're going through life like the rest of us and that you're trying your best to glorify God. You're a believer in those moments of hurt, in those moments of brokenness. brokenness. But as you're going through those, do you rely on God? Jesus Christ may have died for you on the cross, but that only impacts you if you're willing to have a relationship with him, to repent of your sins and believe, believe in him. That's kind of hard to think about. You know, Jesus Christ dying on the cross for every single one of us, but it only impacts us if we have a relationship with him. You know, because if you never truly know him, then him dying on the cross did nothing for you. You have to be the one to want a relationship with him. There's no middle ground. There's no, oh, hey, I'm a good person. It'll be all right. You have to repent of your sins. You have to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that he is our Lord and Savior, and ask him to come into your life. That is how you begin a relationship with him. This is so important. That's why it is so important to look at this as an aspect of loving God. You have to first have a relationship with him to love God. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27 says this, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. We are made new in his spirit. We are given new life by what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. From this relationship, we must love God. How do we love God, you may ask? It says it right here in verse 37 of Matthew 22. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. All our heart, soul, and mind is every ounce of our being being poured out to love and honor and glorify our great God. Every ounce of our being being poured out to honor and glorify our God. Man, shouldn't we be excited to do that, to live our lives in that way? I know there's times in my life where I've not been, I'm excited to live my life that way. You know, I was just talking about it this morning in student ministry um, with the high school guys. You know, it's, it's hard, you know, to live a life bold in your faith. It's hard to to be labeled as that person, like, hey, you know, like, you're that church kid, or hey, you're that believer, you know, because sometimes your friends don't want anything to do with you after that, um, but in our discussion this morning um, with the teen boys is, if we're not willing to do it now, if we're, if we're not willing to be bold in our faith, then, you know, we're most likely not going to be doing that the rest of our life, so we need to start now, um, because those guys and those girls in student ministry and kids ministry, they're in one of the biggest ministries mission fields here in America, in the public schools. You know, they get to see so many lost lives, um, but they have to be bold in their faith and understand that it's on them to go and tell people. And church, it's on you to go and tell people and where you live, work, and play, as Jason always says. You know, what are you doing to be bold in your faith? Are you truly living it out every single day, every ounce of your being for him?
You're not going to be perfect as you do it. But as long as you're doing it and you're doing it with others, then God's going to bless you in, in what you're doing. So as we're changed by the Spirit of God in us, it allows us to love him, but also to love others. Our second point is this, to love others. So we have to love God and then love others. Verse 39 says, goes on to say this, we are to love our neighbor just as we love ourselves. Love our neighbor just as we love ourselves. Man, that's uh, easy to say but hard to do. Love our neighbor just as we love ourselves. I love myself a lot. Um, so you're saying I'm supposed to love my neighbor like more than that? Um, I don't know if I can do that, God. You know, every single one of us in here understands that. We all understand what we like and what we don't like um, and what we want in the moment. And a lot of times we don't want to be sacrificial and give up the things of our comfort for those around us. You know, and I'm not saying, and this passage is not saying like you're, it's just your neighbor, like your next door neighbor at home. It's, it's the people you're sitting to in this room. It's the people in our community. It's the people that you work with. It's the people that, you know, you buy your groceries from, that where you get your gas. You know, our neighbors are all around us. So are you showing love to every single person that you're interacting with? I hope so. When we get us to God right, then he begins to flow out of us and we get us to others right. So when we get us to God right, he flows out of us and we get us to others right. So that's why we have to look to God first. We have to pursue Christ. And then the second is we have to love others. We exist to love God, then we exist to show his love to those around us. So what are you doing in your life to show God's love to other people? What are you doing in your life to show God's love to other people? Are you being bold in your faith? Are you living it out every single day? That's the second aspect of our mission is to pursue community, to show Christ where you live, work, and play. So are you living this out in your community every single day? Think about this. When we are in need, whenever someone in this church is hurting and broken and just feeling completely separate from the body, how much do we actually do for them? You know, you may be the one that has gone through something this year or, or are going through something right now, and you may, feel, may, you may feel distant because maybe not many people reached out to you, asked how you were doing, helped you through that situation. Or maybe a lot of people did help you out, and you understand what it means to be a part of the church body and to live in community and to do life together for Jesus Christ. You know, but if we get this right, if we do community right, if we love each other so well, that we glorify God in that, then God is going to continue to bless and glorify this church. So we all have to be one. We all have to be unified in God, and we have to be unified in reaching others. It takes small, intentional steps of faith. Small, intentional steps of faith. But every step forward that you take leads to an impactful movement that God's already orchestrated. It takes small steps of faith on our part, but whenever we're faithful and we're obedient and we're doing what God calls us to do, God already has the big plan. He already has it in his hands. He's already won the battle like we sang about this morning. God has already conquered death. 
So why can't we trust him with the little things in our life? Why can't we take that initial step of faith and be like, you know what, God? I may not see what's around the next corner, but you know, and I'm going to trust you in this. Christ loves us so much, or God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us and to conquer death. How much then should his love flow out of us? Are we willing to sacrifice our comfort, our possessions, our desires for him and those around us? You know, like I said earlier, that one's hard for me, you know, because every single one of us in this room, I know that we like our, the things of our comfort, our possessions, our, our desires in life. You know, a lot of times we don't want to sacrifice those things for other people. But that's what God's asking us to do here. He's asking us to sacrifice the things in our life so others can come to know him, so others can see the love through us, so others can be glorified through what we're doing for them. So as we've been going through this series titled Our House, personally, and I hope you as well, I've been challenged and convicted. I've had to ask myself, what am I doing to glorify God, but also love on and evangelize to others? What am I doing in my life to glorify God? So a few weeks ago, our students came up with a list of local outreach opportunities. Um, We just had a brainstorming time where we're like, what can we do in our community, and how can we do it And if we're doing something, how can we do it better? Um, So we talked about how we can impact the lives of the students in our schools, how we can serve our community, how we can serve other people, and how we can make Christ's name known to more people. And so we just brainstormed about 15 to 20 ways we can do this. And in doing that, we talked about how as we're going out, as we're reaching people, if we're doing life together, if if we're serving each other and loving each other, people are going to see that. They're going to see us serving each other whenever we go out into our community and help an organization or help a people group. They're going to see the love that we have for them and the love that we have for each other. And that's what impacts other people for the gospel. The love that they see in us is unlike any other or should be unlike any other. So as we're being intentional on how we uh, pursue outreach, how we can tell more people about Christ in the student ministry, we're also intentional Um, with our logo and what we try to encourage and instill in the students. And so in our new logo that we just started using more uh, this year, at the bottom it says, love God, love others, and serve both. You know, the great commandment, love God, love others, serve both. And at the bottom of that is our logo. And I wanted that on there because I wanted us, every time um, we see our logo, we wear something with our logo, we understand that that is our calling. That's what we're about, to love God, love others, and serve both. So our final point today is this, serve both. Love God, love others, serve both. I've talked to the students, listened to the students, and been encouraged tremendously um, by the students here at Southgate. And so I'm thankful that I get to work with them um, and with the kids' ministry now. Um, I just and continually blessed by seeing their faith um, being used to glorify God. Um, So last year in our ministry, I challenged the students. I said, what would it look like in our youth group if we saw 25 people come to Christ? What if we saw 25 salvations in 2022? And could God work through us and do that this year? We asked ourselves. 
Man, Southgate, do you want to know how many salvations we had in 2022? It wasn't 25, but it was 12. 12 salvations through the Southgate Student Ministry in 2022. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect uh, whenever we challenged ourselves to do that um, because a lot of me personally and the students I know are hesitant and be like, so you, you want us to like go and tell our friends about Jesus? And we're like, yeah, go do it. And, you know, just the hesitancy to step out and be like, okay, I, I guess I'll do it. But then whenever like the first person gets saved and then the next and then the next, you know, they're like, you know what, I, I can do this. You know, it's, it's not that scary of a thing. But seeing 12 salvations in 2022 is miraculous. That's God working through the younger generation here at Southgate. That's God blessing their efforts of just being bold in their faith and serving him and others well. So, man, how, how much more can we do as a church if we continue to be on passion and on fire for him? And what can our church do for this community if we just get past that uncomfortable stage of sharing our faith and we just truly seek to build relationships for the purpose of glorifying Christ? We must continue to love God, love others, and serve both continuously. Now, saying that, this isn't in my notes or anything, but, and church, I just want you to think about 12 salvations in the student ministry, and just off the top of my head, that I know of five, six salvations in kids' ministry in the last few years as well, maybe even more, but there's a whole generation of students that are getting saved and that are needing to know the gospel more, um, but they need you um, to, to just step up and lead them well. Um, because this is, it's a burden on my heart because obviously I serve with students and kids, um, but I don't have the ability to, you know, lead them, disciple every single student, every single kid, um, but I need you um, to have a passion to want to step up and want to lead them well because, you know, it takes this church to train up the next generation. You know, it takes gospel people centered on him to train up the next generation of gospel-centered people. And so, church, I hope that you're energized to hear that there's salvations happening. I hope you're energized to see the things that this church is doing. Um, but I hope that you're pushed out a little bit of your um, comfort zone and have this passion and desire to maybe, like, maybe I can be that person to disciple this student that got saved. Maybe I can be that person to help this kid along, whatever it is, or help this family go through this trial in their life or whatever it is. Because the more I've gotten to know you um, as individuals, you know, you're all um, gifted in such unique ways, um, gifted in many ways that I'm not. And so your gifting can be used in so many more ways than mine can to help a certain family out or help a certain kid or student out. Um, so if, if we're intentional as a church, to train up and to disciple the next generation, then God's going to continue to glorify and bless this church. Um, that was just a little, you know, extra for you. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a passion of mine um, to, to see the next generation, you know, truly discipled and trained up for the gospel. So verse 40 says this in Matthew 22. It says, On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophet. 
On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This verse shows that these two commandments summarize the entire Old Testament. This is why um, the Pharisees, the lawyers, um, were trying to stumble Jesus. Um, because they're, they're like, which one's the best, Lord? And, you know, they're trying to, like, trick him up and all this kind of stuff. Um, but, but Jesus summarizes the Old Testament, over 600 laws, with these two commandments. These two commandments that we read here in Matthew 22 are foundational to who our church should be. If everything is foundational on these two truths, then what should we be doing to advance the gospel? What goals are we going to set to challenge us to share our faith? We've done that. What goals are we setting as a church to reach 10,000 people this year? 10,000 touches for the gospel. Are you taking a part of that? Some of you are pretty hesitant about setting goals and having a vision for our church because you know how hard of work it is. You know how hard it is or how hard it's been to learn about God, to love God, and then we ask you to go out and to love others with that knowledge. It takes an overwhelming passion to reach the broken and lost for Christ. It takes an overwhelming passion to reach the broken and lost for Christ. This is where we get the third part of our mission statement, pursue commission. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If every single one of us loved him and loved other wells, <laughs> loved others well, <clears throat> God would, man, God would just glorify and do amazing work through this church you know, 738 baptisms in Southgate's history. And how much more can we do? I want to see 738 more. Maybe we can do it in less than three decades. I don't know. But if we're on fire for Jesus Christ, if we love God and love others well, then God is going to continue to bless this church through salvations, through people learning about him, through families that were broken, being healed, through lives changed, so are you growing in your love for God? Are you growing in your love for others? What could our church look like if our sole purpose was to glorify God and to reach others to glorify God and then reach others again and again and again? And me saying these things is not to discredit where we're at because I love what Southgate is, who Southgate is as a church and what we're doing as a church. But us to have this passion for God, we can't be complacent where we are. We have to be wanting more. So I can only imagine what it would look like if 100% of our church, 70% of our church, and even 50% of our church got on fire for Jesus Christ this year. I would love to see what God could do. If you want to see real change happen for Christ, you have to be uncomfortable to stay where you're at. You have to be uncomfortable to stay where you're at. The ones that are serving, that are giving, that are loving others, you are burnt out, and you need this congregation to step up. You need them to take initiative, and you need to continue to love God 
and love others well, because when those two things happen, we begin to thrive. The church begins to thrive, and people begin to know Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. Their lives are changed forever because of the work that you're doing for God. I understand there are seasons of burnout, but if you are not being active in your life for Christ, then you become stagnant and unusable for his work. So man, even if you're at that place of burnout, man, keep using your gifts. Serve God faithfully. Let God renew your spirit, renew your heart, renew your mind to serve him well. You know, because God is going to bless you and bless this church if you continue to serve faithfully. God calls us to glorify him with our talents, and we have to use those talents or we are mishandling God's blessing on our lives. So as I close today, I want to encourage you in your walk with Christ. I want you to understand that we're all sinners, we're all broken, and we all need a Savior. And we can, that's what church is all about. You know, we're all so different. We all are from different areas. We all do different things. But man, we're all broken, we're all sinners, and we all need a Savior. Some of you in here today are broken, lost, and hurting, but you're also prideful and arrogant and feel like you don't need to be saved. Some of you in this room understand your brokenness and your sinfulness and may have started a relationship with Jesus Christ and asked him to come into your life, but now you're asking yourself this, is this what it's all about? Do I just go through the same things every single day and try in some way to worship this guy that I know very little about? Some of you have made the decision to follow Jesus and would say, I've been a believer for a while and I'm on fire for him. And then our last group is some of you in this room have made the decision to follow Jesus, have been on fire for him, but are no longer on fire for him. A verse that we all know pretty well, um, John 3.16, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I have to read it so I don't say like the KJV version. Um, but John 3.16 is a foundational verse for us as believers, for us as a church. This verse includes every single one of us. No matter your walk of life, we are loved by God and we can all have a relationship with God. Wherever you are on your faith journey, whether it's just getting into discovering who God is and what this church thing is about, or if you're a committed believer, this message is for every single one of us. This message shows that if you begin a relationship with him and love God and love others, God is going to use you. Man, and don't we all want to be used for something great? If you have been in a relationship with him for a long time and if you've lost that passion, get back to loving him and others. You will be renewed by the passion that it brings you when you see others changed by the gospel You'll be renewed when you, you look to God in every situation, when you begin to study his word, and when you begin to fellowship with one another. No, I have no idea where every single one of you are at on your faith journey. Every single one of us is probably on a different place, a different walk with Christ. But if you're here today and you're curious about who God is and what this, all this stuff is that we're talking about today, and your life can be changed from here on out. You know, your decision to follow Christ is the starting point. 
It's not the finish line. It's the starting point. So you understanding who you are in Christ, you loving God and loving others, and going out and living for him every single day, that is the mission. So as the band comes forward, um, and we kind of lead back into some worship here in a little bit with some music, and church, I want to challenge you back to those three words. Are you saved? You know, where are you at in your faith? Do you know who Jesus is, but have never made a decision? Or have you made a decision and you're no longer faithfully following him? Or you're somewhere in between? Wherever you're at on your faith journey, God wants to use you. God wants to bless you. God wants to have a relationship with you. But you have to be the one to want a relationship with him. Nobody can make you make this decision and follow him. It has to be on you. So, man, let me encourage you today to come forward. And maybe you have questions. Maybe you're seeking to understand more about God, more about why this guy named Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. And I, yeah, I'm broken. Yeah, I, I understand all these things. Like, yeah, I'm hurting in life. I'm struggling. And we can give you hope. Jesus Christ is your hope. But you have to start with a relationship with him. So come forward this morning if that's you. Come forward and pray to God and ask God to forgive you of your sins. Ask God to be a part of your life. And it can start today. Or come forward this morning and just pray, God, yeah, I've known you for a long time. But man, am I broken? Am I hurting? Am I, am I distant from you more so than maybe I've ever been? But God, refocus my heart. So if you would, stand with me. I'm going to pray. And if you feel led, come to the altar this morning and give it to God. God, thank you so much for this congregation. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their savior, I pray that they can step out boldly in faith and come up front, Lord, and just pray to you and ask God for you to come into their life and forgive them of their sins and to be a part of their life, Lord. Lord, I pray if there's believers in this room that are struggling, um, just going through all the muck of life, Lord, I pray that you can renew their passion, renew their heart, and they can come forward and give it to you, Lord. Lord, I pray we as a church can love you better, can love others better, and we can continue to serve both well. So, Lord, be with us as we continue to worship you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.